Hi, and welcome to the KC Praxis Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from Jake McGregor. All right, and uh, if we could get a few of the lights up, so that just so I can see everybody, that would be great. Just a couple of them, one or two. Nope. Yeah, that's perfect. Perfect. Great worship, you guys. The kids were awesome. <laughs> they were great. I love how they're just magnetically attracted to their dad the whole time. It's so perfect. There is something special about Eve coming up and having a seat next to dad, right, during worship. I, I don't know. Something about that was really cool. You stop playing, <laughs> come sit down, get right back into it. I don't know how you do it, but it was, I don't know, it was special to me. Hey, I want to invite everybody to turn... Um, in your Bibles, to the book of Ephesians in chapter 5. <clears throat> um, just to kind of start out, this has been the craziest couple weeks. I mean, this has been just a wild couple weeks around here at 180. Um, then for me personally, I had a second bout with COVID, which was, the timing of that was just brilliant. It was perfect. Um, it actually meant that I uh, wasn't able to join my family. So my son Noah's here, as you guys can see. Um, here for three weeks, um, super excited to have him back. And so the plan was for our whole family to go and do the 180 Santa, Santa Cruz trip together. Um, and getting sick and then having kind of some of the administrative stuff happening, happening here at 180 during that time, um, it just meant that I wasn't able to do it. Um, as a matter of fact, I was so sick on Monday that there was no way, I, I, I didn't want to be around anybody, obviously, because the whole COVID thing. Um, but I was just sick. I just didn't feel good. And Tuesday came along, I was still sick. Wednesday came along, I started to feel better, but then my heart got sick. Like, I just got, I hit a really low place on Wednesday. Like, Lord, what are you doing? Why this? Why right now? Why can I not be with my family? Um, why do things just feel like, you know, every once in a while, when you're, when you're gripping on life, it feels like um, you're not making progress. I, I, I relate it to climbing up a muddy hill. I mean, it feels like for every step you take, you get two or three where you slide down backwards and you just feel like you're not making any progress. And that's the way it kind of felt on Wednesday. Um, it, was a, it was a low moment. Um, and I was given the task of teaching you guys on Ephesians chapter 5. And I just have to say at the outset, um, reading this, I felt so unworthy of it um, this last week. I felt like, who am I? Um, I'm an imposter uh, to be trying to teach anybody anything of value from this chapter. Um, so I just at the outset want to let you guys know that I approached it this week with some humility um, and a sense that I'm not this, I'm not what this is describing, and yet this ministered to me in a pretty powerful way. Um, so I just want to lay that out there as a, a bit of honesty at the beginning. Um, I don't know why, just because I feel like I need to. <laughs> uh, and when you, as, you, as you hear it, as you hear the scriptures, um, as you kind of hear what you know, where we're going to go with it. Hopefully it'll start to make sense kind of the way I felt. Um, the toothpaste being squeezed out of the tube, uh, you know, the last couple of weeks didn't feel like it was the greatest. Um, but we serve a God of grace. So let's read Ephesians 5. Um, and we'll start in verse 8. <clears throat> it says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead. 
and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, so last time we were here together, we were in Ephesians chapter 4. And there's a very similar tone in that chapter to this one. Uh, so it gives us this list of ways to live. Um, good deeds and evil deeds. Uh, the way we're taught to walk in Christ versus the way we're taught to walk in the world. If you back up to the very beginning of the chapter, it kind of starts there. And then the end of the chapter is how to live a good marriage. Um, and so it's very kind of concrete action steps that are given uh, in these chapters. As you read through 4 and 5, if you're like me at some point along the way, uh, some verse or passage from these couple of chapters has been thrown at you in a very legalistic way. Um, like the Bible says we're not supposed to be drunk with wine, right? Or the Bible says uh, we're not supposed to let the sun go down on our anger, right? We've heard these little pithy quotes um, and they're ways to live. And a lot of times we hear those things. Um, if, you're, if you're like me, those behaviors, the behavior that we live, the way we live becomes the focal point. I can remember growing up really early on, we amazing little church, little church not much bigger than this one actually where I grew up. Um, and I can remember it was a lot about behavior change. And I remember waking up in the middle of the night one night, I've shared this story before, I don't know if it was in this context or not, but I remember waking up in the middle of the night um, and I woke up from this dream and in the dream I had, my lips were like glued shut. Like in, in my dream, it was like that scene from The Matrix where all of a sudden the, the, the main character Neo doesn't have a mouth. <laughs> You know, it was one of those where I like, I woke up in a cold sweat, literally thinking I couldn't breathe. And in that moment, I was listening to some of these verses being spoken at me. Don't lie, right? Don't, and it wasn't, not even verses, don't kiss your girlfriend, right? There's this list of behaviors that I was being given. Um, last week, we started to get to the fact that these behaviors in these chapters that Paul is describing aren't the point of the chapters. Um, the point is that what's happened to us should lead to a new way of living, right? The point is not the living. The point is the thing that's happened that leads to the living. Um, and so last time we talked about uh, putting on the new self, right? Because God in his grace has given us a brand new self. And so we, because of that, we have the grace to be able to live in these new ways. Um, tonight we're going to talk about what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you notice verse 18, what does it say? It says, do not get drunk on wine, Okay. Um, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've heard somebody literally quote only half of this verse, right? Do not be drunk with wine. You hear the first part of the verse. The Bible says don't be drunk with wine. So I'm just going to have a little bit of wine. I'm not going to be drunk with wine, right? You hear the first part of that verse quoted. Um, but the point here, I would argue, is not the wine. It's the Spirit, right? The wine is just used as a comparison point for the Holy Spirit, um, and what happens in us when the Spirit is a part of our story. And as good students of Scripture, we want to be aware of any time the Scripture we're reading is referencing something else. Because um, the comparison is being drunk with wine and being filled with the Spirit. And that's not the first time that comparison has been made. In Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, the first time the Holy Spirit fell, right? And these people begin to speak about the arriving kingdom of God and good news, 
right? And they speak those things in languages other than their own. And they speak with this boldness and joy and passion. You get the, the sense that these people are just this raucous, passionate crowd, right? And they're talking about Jesus. And as people watch them, right, the people who are watching them, what's the first thing they think when they see them that joyful and that free and that completely without any discretion, right? They must be drunk, right? That's the first thing that they think. Um, It's like the only time we ever see people like this without inhibition and so seemingly joyful and at the same time speaking a language I can't understand is when they're drunk, right? That's the only time. Um, And so Paul makes this comparison here and he makes it because from the very minute it first fell, the Holy Spirit has been compared to alcohol, right? Um, And it sounds kind of funny and it even sounds a little bit weird, but this is just the way it's always been. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself was associated with alcohol and his followers were associated with alcohol because something happens to them, right? And so I want to go with this for a minute um, and just kind of look at that comparison. Because the thing about alcohol, it's it's what's known as a depressant, a depressant, And at first you're like, wait a minute, how does being depressed like get associated with the Holy Spirit? Um, And that's not what a depressant means in this context. Um, A depressant simply means that it depresses certain chemicals, like certain neurotransmitters that are in charge of regulating behavior in our brain get depressed by a depressant. Um, And so people, some people who are on alcohol begin to feel things really intensely, right? There's an intense sadness sometimes that's associated with somebody who's drinking or an intense happiness or an intense anger, right? Or an intense joy. There's more intensity to the feeling. Um, uh, Other people get a lot braver, okay? Uh, Tony, at one point, I remember bringing an ice chest to an airsoft uh, event that we were doing. A bunch of my friends uh, on my 30th birthday. And I remember it's, for some reason, it stuck in my mind. You brought, because this is the first time we'd ever done this airsoft thing together. It was brand new at the time. Um, And he opens up an ice chest and the ice chest has some cold beers in it. And he goes, this is your liquid courage, my friends, drink up. And it was like, okay, liquid courage, here we go. Like there must be something happening here. And actually one of our friends um, had so much courage that he chose not to actually wear the mask. He just wore glasses um, because back then you didn't have to wear a mask at this airsoft facility. Um, and his face was just so pockmarked with red, you know, airsoft wounds. Um, it was the most awful thing ever. Um, and so maybe he had a little too much liquid courage, <laughs> you know, at that point. Um, but you guys get it, right? This liquid courage means our fear is being depressed a little bit. Um, and you guys seen the, the Larry and Ticer videos, the Canadian dude with a mullet that's a, it's a meme that's been around for a long time. Um, Canadian guy, mullet, old snowmobile. Um, he got really famous for saying, I'm going to send it, right? I'm just going to send it. And then he'd run his old snowmobile like off a jump and crash and it'd be this just carnage. Um, he also got really famous for popularizing the, the phrase, hold my beer, right? Just hold my beer and I'm going to, I'm like, I'm going to send this thing. And the idea was, right, he's got all this courage. Um, and it was just kind of a funny thing. So alcohol has this effect, right? It's this momentary and I would argue very fleeting and ultimately dissatisfying effect where fear fades and inhibition fades and boldness starts to define you. And Paul seems to get this, right? Well, we know by science that alcohol is a depressant. Paul sort of gets in a very shadowy way that it's like being filled with the Spirit. But the key, key difference is that where alcohol or other substances diminish our brain function, right, and depress our brain function and make us feel less of something than we would otherwise, the Spirit's function is the exact opposite of that. 
the fullness of the Spirit is the exact opposite. I want you guys to look at your text, right? You're like, where is this going? Look at your text, and I want you to notice some things. Uh, I very intentionally started early in this text. So if you look at verse 14, it says, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead. So it's wake up, become aware, right? Verse 15, be wise, not foolish. Uh, verse uh, 17, or sorry, verse 15, notice where it says, be careful how you live. The literal translation of that is look carefully when you walk. Right? That's why I'm not the biggest fan of certain translations because um, like the New American Standard gets it very close here. The meaning is literally, it literally says, look intently where you're stepping, okay? Be very focused. It's, it's as if you're a climber on a cliff. Make sure you're precise with your movements and your steps. So in this chapter, it's wisdom, understanding, intense focus and clarity, right? Being fully awake, being fully aware. If you turn in your Bible to 2 Kings chapter 6, um, and we're going to jump around the Bible a little bit here. So Paul's talking about functioning on a much, much higher level here, right? Which comes not by substances, but by the Spirit. That's the comparison that he's making. Be filled with the Spirit, he says, because the fullness of the Spirit doesn't make you brave and happy by showing you less of reality, right? It gives you this fearlessness and pure joy by showing you more of reality. Not less, but more. It doesn't depress the feeling, but it gives you a sense, a heightened sense of awareness. Uh, in 2 Kings 6, there's a man named Elisha, who is a great prophet of Israel. And Elisha is with the Israelites as they're getting ready to go to war. Um, and if you notice, 2 Kings 6, 14, okay? Elisha's with his servant, and so this other king in verse 14 sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. This is the city that the Israelites are in. Verse 15, when the servant of the man got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elijah prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So the servant is melting down with fear. And this is where the comparison to me really starts to make a lot of sense. There's an army coming, right? They've surrounded us. And Elisha could have done what so many people have done, right? In, the, in a moment where they're, they're filled with fear. Here, dude, have a shot of this, right? But instead what he says is, he prays to God and says, open his eyes. Right? Open his eyes more. Help him to see what's really going on. Show him not just what's in front of his nose, Lord. Don't depress his fear, but show him what's really going on. Show him ultimate reality. Wake him up, in other words, to what's really going on. And as a servant realizes what's really going on, right, the reality of God, the power of God, the presence of God, all just as real as the army in front of him, his joy and courage and peace begins to define him. Because this is what it means to be filled with the Spirit. This is what it means. When Jesus is speaking to his disciples for the last time in John 16, he has this meal the night before he goes to the cross. And Jesus comforts his disciples by basically saying, the Holy Spirit will come to you and will guide you into truth. And he says, your grief will turn to joy. So the Holy Spirit will show you more truth, more reality, show you what's really going on, and your grief will turn to joy. Right? This is about being more aware, not less. This is what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit, right? Jesus says and Paul says and Elisha shows us is to embrace reality, not run from it. To embrace what's really happening and not turn around. 
so that who God is and what he's done and his love for you and Jesus, these things begin to become the controlling narratives of our life. So that now we don't need any depressant, any substance to cause reality to fade, right? Because we're able to run right into reality and right through reality full of joy because we can see what's really going on. Is that starting to make sense to you? I realize it's a weird comparison, but it's just the comparison the Bible gives us. And I think it's perfect um, because this is about ultimate reality. And that also brings up an important note because what Paul is talking about in Jesus and Elisha and the rest is not momentary happiness. Like there's still an army facing us, right? I'm still going to go to the cross, Jesus says, right? So it's not going to get easier. You're not going to get happy, right? Um, There's a quote from C.S. Lewis, famous quote where he says, I didn't go to Christianity to be happy. I always knew a bottle of port would do that. So here he is making the same comparison, right? I didn't go to Christianity to be happy. I always knew a bottle of port would do that. If you want to make yourself happy and comfortable, I don't recommend Christianity. (laughs) This is not about happy. It's about a supernaturally charged cognition of reality, right? A supernaturally charged understanding. (laughs) This last week we were talking to one of our kids about becoming fierce with reality, fierce with reality. I know what's really happening and I'm not running from it and I'm not afraid and I'm not going to live in dishonesty. I'm going to live in truth because I trust the movement of the Holy Spirit. I trust that there's something more going on. Is that starting to make sense to you guys? Um, To where I have such an awareness and an understanding of the grace and the incomparably beautiful truth about God that all the uncertainty and the fear starts to fade in comparison. Um, it's, not a, it's not a happiness, it's a fierceness with reality. It's a true joy. Um, 2 Corinthians 6. You guys can turn there if you want, or I can just read it to you. At one point, the same author, Paul, he talks about having nothing and having everything, okay? So he's talking about what it's been like to walk with Jesus and be filled with the Spirit, and he describes it as having nothing and having everything. So 2 Corinthians 6, 3, we put no stumbling block in anyone's path, so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as imposters, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. (laughs) What's he talking about there, you guys? What would that be like? Um, Sometimes it's important for us to understand context when Paul talks about having survived beatings or having been beaten. Um, Paul, in another place, talks about having survived a stoning. In ancient times, a stoning is not what you think it was. It's not people picking up little rocks and throwing them at you. Um, This is when somebody was deemed a heretic, which Paul would have been, right? When somebody is deemed a heretic, what happens is all the religious leaders gather on the outskirts of town, and they find the biggest cliff. And actually, there's there's teachings in the Mishnah that tell you exactly how to stone someone, okay? So what you do is you walk them up to, to a cliff, has to be at least 15 feet high. It's, this is all detailed, okay, in ancient religious writings. A cliff at least 15 feet high, and then you push, the, first you bind the person's hand behind their, their back so that they can't catch themselves, and then you push them off the cliff. And the hope is, as they fall down the cliff, that they'll break their neck and die. 
And if they don't break their neck and die, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to walk over with the heaviest rocks you can find and throw those down on top of the person to finish the job. So when Paul talks about, I survived a stoning, this is what he's talking about, right? He survived this. He's lived through, to us, what would be untold dangers and hardships, right, that make my last week look kind of silly in comparison. Survived a stoning, and yet somehow he's able to say, I have everything. And I love this passage. This is not our passage for tonight, but I love it because if you look at it, what you notice is that there are two very clear realities existing side by side. You have this negative reality and this positive reality, and they're all in the same breath, right? And if you just list them out, I want you guys just to listen. If I had more time, I would love to have put this on the, on the screen because I just think it's, it's powerful. If you just look for the negatives in 2 Corinthians 6, this is what you get. Troubles, hardships, distresses, beatings, imprisonments, riots, sleepless nights, hunger, dishonor, bad report, regarded as imposters, regarded as unknown, dying, beaten, sorrowful, poor, having nothing. Right? That's a paragraph by itself. But it's not because this is interspersed in the same paragraph, this whole separate set of things that he mingles in there. Purity, understanding, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit of God, sincere love, truthful speech, power of God, glory, good report, genuine, known, living on, always rejoicing, making many rich, possessing everything. He's not talking about money there, right? Making everyone rich, full of the Holy Spirit. See, for Paul, these two things exist side by side. He doesn't get rid of the beatings and the imprisonments and the riots before he can have the power of God, right? He doesn't, the bad doesn't have to leave before he experiences the good, before he can be known and always rejoicing. These things happen in the midst of it. To me, this is powerful. Like, is this pos- how is this possible? The answer is the fullness of the Spirit, right? The recognition that there's something more going on, there's a deeper reality, there's a better story being told like we always say. Uh, if you go back to the original passage, so back to Ephesians 5, it's almost like the joy of the Holy Spirit, this fullness of the Holy Spirit. It can only get so full and so powerful if things actually get dark. It's like the stars, right? The darker it gets, the brighter the stars shine, right? When the light pollution goes away, we can see the light for the darkness. We can see it clearly, right? It's almost like the joy of the Spirit, if you just go with 2 Corinthians 6, it has to have darkness to stand out against, which to me is just an odd, powerful, scary reality. Uh, If you go back to, again, Ephesians 5, this is verse 18. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the person filled with the Spirit here, if you just work your way backwards, A person who is filled with the Spirit always gives thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of Jesus Christ. All of it. (laughs) To me, that's just powerful stuff, right? Like, what would it be like to be that kind of person who can always give thanks for everything? So that last Wednesday, right, or whatever your circumstance is, the thing that comes out of you is joy, peace, patience, kindness. And it exists right in the middle of trouble, hardships, famine, struggle, beatings, (laughs) right? To me, what would that be like? Uh, There's a moment, and I'm just going to wrap up here because I think that's enough. Um, But I want to wrap up. This is Luke 10. 
There's a moment when Jesus himself explodes with the Holy Spirit. He explodes with this kind of joy. And to me, he gives us a hint at how to get at this. This is Luke 10, 21. You don't have to go there. It says, at that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. So Jesus has this moment full of joy. He explodes with the Holy Spirit and he praises God. God, thank you. You know what just happened to Jesus? He just witnessed his disciples, right? They were given the Holy Spirit. They were given the power of God and they went two by two, 72 of them out into towns and villages and they, the ground shook as they went, right? Jesus himself right before this says, I tell you the truth, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Right? And God, you were pleased to do this through these little children. Not the wise, not the learned, not the powerful, not the ones that have it all together. You just poured it out on them. What Jesus is recognizing here is God's going to do this through grace. Not that he didn't know that before, but it's almost like you, because Jesus is living in human skin with a human mind, you can, it's almost like it overcomes him. Like, this is going to all happen through grace. The power of the Holy Spirit is going to go out into this world through grace. Thank you, God. And in that moment, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is the secret, I think, is, is in recognizing that we are just children and we are those children. We are the ones in whom he was pleased to deliver his gift of the Holy Spirit. Right? The whole thing is grace. So in these moments, like for me last Wednesday or <laughs> like for dad yesterday, um, in these moments when it all seems to be flying at us, we recognize, or sometimes we need other people. You guys notice the end of the chapter? Sing to one another in joy and psalms and spiritual songs, right? Like we need each other to remind one another of this stuff, that God is a God of grace. I'm so thankful. I, I can't tell you how thankful I am that this is a small community where I know everyone and everyone knows me. Because you guys can call me when I am losing it and I'm not right in my head about what God's doing. And I've had people call me out on that and say, Jake, no, look at what God is doing. Praise God. It's like you're singing to me. And I hope that you've, some of you have felt the same way with me to you. That we can recognize that this is all just a big, beautiful gift, right? And then very next verse, it talks about submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, right? That's where he goes from there. Like you can do this. You can submit to one another knowing the gift, knowing the grace, knowing the joy. Um, to me, it's just powerful, right? To look intently for the work of God all around us um, and to do that in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, right? Not less reality, but more. Not a subdued reality, but a fierceness with reality. Right? That's what the Holy Spirit does. We hope that you enjoyed this week's teaching. To connect with us and for more resources, you can find us on social media as KC Praxis or email us at kcpraxis at 180lodi.org.